It's time to clip your last good piece and dig in because the runout starts now. The Runout Podcast is brought to you by Outdoor Research. Outdoor Research was born from the cold, snowy womb of the Alaska Range by climbers up against some of the harshest conditions in alpinism. Since those days on the edge in the 80s, OR has committed itself to creating apparel and gear not just for keeping conditions at bay, but for making sure you have fun and look good along the way. Beauty and function are two guiding principles at OR. The result? Gear you can count on during your deepest adventures and most satisfying journeys. Check it all out at OutdoorResearch.com or your favorite local shop. On June 2nd, Tim Klein and Jason Wells, two highly experienced Yosemite rock climbers, fell during a speed ascent of El Capitan. Four days later, Tommy Caldwell and Alex Honnold, also two highly experienced rock climbers, set a new speed record on the nose of El Cap, climbing the 3,000-foot route in 1 hour, 58 minutes, and 7 seconds, breaking the fabled 2-hour mark and besting their own previous record, which they had set two days earlier by 3 minutes. The question of speed climbing in Yosemite, a tradition dating back to the first in-a-day ascent of the nose in 1975 by John Long, Jim Bridwell, and Billy Westbay, had now turned to questions about whether it was getting too dangerous. Outside Magazine posted an article entitled, Has Speed Climbing Gotten Too Deadly? In that story, the author says, Honnold told me that one of the reasons he wanted to climb with Caldwell was that he, quote, can really trust him. Tommy cares about safety. He's a family man and won't do anything crazy up there, end quote. Speed climbing a sport only reserved for those who won't do anything, quote, crazy up there? And what is crazy, really? I sat down with my good friend Chris Caloose of the Enormacast fame, who either enjoyed or endured his own latest descent of El Cap. On one flank of El Cap, triumphant success. Lauded across all mainstream news platforms. Just around the corner, a horror story that shocked the community into questioning the very thing it's so quick to celebrate. This is Andrew Bisharat. You're listening to the Runout Podcast. Just because we had access to social media leading up to that, but also while we we're on the wall, we knew that the the nose, the preparation of Tommy and, and Alex to try to beat the two-hour record was happening. And we knew it was happening literally around the corner from us. Where we were, you can't see any but anything but like the foot in the start of the nose. And then once they're up in the higher pitches, they're out of sight from us. But, I mean, a couple hundred feet. They were done before you could take a crap, No, basically. Was, that's totally true. Is that, And we'd made those jokes repeatedly because like getting up in the morning when you're on a wall, when you're in a portal edge, it's a lengthy process before you're actually climbing. Yeah. Whether it's just waking up and eating and then, yeah, taking your, your complicated duker and then getting your shit all packed up and like everything put away you know honestly they were well done they would have been like fully down at the cafeteria having breakfast by the time we were even starting to climb so i mean i'm amazed that they climbed that route in two hours but i'm also amazed that you at your age (laughs) off the couch just went out there and and uh tried to free el cap i know tried did not succeed (laughs) did not even come close to to succeed but, but i mean you it, you don't get the credit you deserve thank you it, yeah. you know it was somewhat audacious <laughs> i figured that out on I day mean, two at your age yes at my age yeah 
um, and my circumstance. Uh, <laughs> no, the, the audaciousness of it came crashing down upon me on day two. How was, was that? Just like, I'm like, this is really hard. And I'm supposed to climb 513 like three days from now. And the realization that I wouldn't even go to rifle three days in a row. And that's coming home and eating and going to bed in my bed. Mm -hmm. Like the third day, it would be just devastating. And I was like, yeah, on day five, I'm going to be up there after doing the most labor I've done in my entire life. I'm just going to like wake up in the morning and like stretch and climb 513. No. Like what a joke. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hats off to you guys. And really like it made me realize why these guys do El Cap in a day. Not just, not just like these speed records, but you know, to do the free rider in a day seems like this huge, you know, undertaking in its own right. And it is, but there are those advantages of just, you're going to climb. It's going to take all day, but then you get to go to bed yeah. and you, you, the next day you get to rest. So the simplicity of the experience is just so much more pure. Yeah. What, which one? Uh, when you can climb El Cap in two hours and then yeah. have a leisurely cappuccino in the yeah, cafe totally. with your yeah. wife and, I mean, so, truly, though, when you start thinking about it in the context of history, a two-hour nose, it, it's, I mean, it's like a moonshot. It's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you, if you were to somehow time travel and talk to Warren Harding, he would, he would punch you in the face and say you're a liar. I mean, the incrementalness you know? of the nose record sort of belies the impressiveness of the feat itself. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it was kind of creeping up on two hours for a long time. I don't know. 20 years 15 years maybe less than that but just to the the fact that it is being done in two hours is just insane mm -hmm. it's so it's such a bold feat of climbing to do that and it sounds like from you hear comments from uh brad gobright where he's just like 20 minutes off on that record but he's like there's no way i could ever right i mean he was clearly you know maxed and also said something about it being the most dangerous thing you'd ever done. Yeah, it's not just the physical, right. um, the you know, the physical fitness of being able to climb that much rock in two hours. It's, uh, you know, yeah, it's the amount of risk you have to take. Well, and there's a, a mental. Honald I mean, seemed like he had to like go on like a vision quest, walk in the woods afterwards, just to like collect himself. You know, comparing it to soloing because we're gonna do that with both Brad and and Alex are both soloists. You know, there there's a those guys talk about when they're soloing that they, they take breaks or they can, or they, they're, they're really like monitoring their mental fitness to do this. Like there's literally no time to do that. And, there, and so there's this risk element. I think when you're going that fast, that it's, to me, there's almost like, it's almost worse than soloing, mm -hmm. you know? And I remember talking to people about soloing way back in the past, like clients and things. And, and I'd always say, you know what? Just remember, you know, you can totally like think about these soloists as, as daredevils, but remember that a rope does not automatically make you safe. And for me, like this thing really is about that. And, and it's like, I know they need it to get through certain sections, but there's a, a freedom and a mental freedom to climbing without a rope. So now you're actually free soloing, kind of. I mean, you're taking these, if you fell at certain times, you're going to take, you know, a, a fall that probably will kill you. So you're essentially free soloing at certain times, but you're also dragging a rope 
and adding this thing about thinking about gear and how are we fixing this and how is this next little trick going to going to go down all those things you don't do those things soloing yeah you have one thing to think about right, right. Climbing. yeah just one foot so in front of the other i'm just like trying to frame this idea of being that focused on the process you know on this this very complicated process for 2 hours that's also you know again the articles talk about how Alex, you know, as usual, you know, was talking about Tommy being safe and, and these things. But there's times you just can't fall. I mean, they were up there. They can't fall. Whether they have a rope on or not, you know. Yeah. It's definitely two different mindsets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. that I, I would like to know what Alex's thoughts are on whether he felt more kind of out there doing like the nose in two hours versus free soloing free rider, for example where he might just have felt just locked in every move. Um, I mean, I've talked but, to him about that, about the free solo, and that's definitely his attitude towards yeah. it, you know, and, and, and that's always been his, his, his rhetoric around free soloing is that, you know, it's like, I, I don't go up there if I'm not like fully locked in. I mean, it, the, the crazy thing about that story, it was just what happened around the corner on El Cap mm-hmm. virtually at the same time or just a couple of days before where it is that it was the perfect demonstration of what you're talking about where there is you are connected to a rope but you're pushing yourself to go faster you know or you're pushing yourself just to move fast you don't have a lot of gear in but you're not maybe paying attention as much as you should and we saw that hor- horrific accident where two guys fell to their death yeah and, and- you know, we just started this about me climbing El Cap, and I was not in the valley. You had just this time. left, right? Yeah, I had left a few days before, and uh, and a few days before the record was broken. I just they, those guys were doing because they had been prepping it for weeks, and I just happened to be there during those those dry runs or right. the ones where they were cutting it down to three and you know sub three hours and things like that. But yeah, you know, th- then coming home and hearing about that accident and having just been on that route, you know, because the 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 thing we climbed started with the South Day, and so I was on the free blast. And, you know, when you hear about two people that fall together on a rock climb, and that's all the information, you know, that came out initially, and, you know, with the internet and social media, it was like, I mean, it wasn't minutes probably after it happened that mm-hmm. that the world kind of started getting information about it, um, which is its own sort of ethical can of worms but nevertheless like to hear that part of it you're just it's really confusing you know because knowing rock climbing and the way it's designed and the way you do it 90 percent of the time to have that kind of accident happening is is sort of confusing and that was my initial thing and obviously it was also just shock and you know instantly you go to family and friends and thinking about those people and um how how this thing that brings us so much joy rock climbing so much so often and then you know i always say just like a moment of inattentiveness is what happens usually Mm -hmm. a moment where you something just you weren't quite paying attention to something that needed to be paid attention to and and all of a sudden it's this thing we love and is so joyous and just so important to us becomes this you know this dark nightmare and it really was this like night and day yin yang like climbing story, even though those what Tommy and Alex were doing was completely unrelated to um, 
Tim and Jason's ascent, uh, they're kind of connected in some eerie way. Well, because of I mean, the certainly. Fact, yeah. yeah. You know, um, and again, literally, you know, hundreds of a hundred feet apart from right. each other, you know. And just the, I mean, it's the two sides of the coin to, to celebrate this, like, just glorification of risk that we, that is part of climbing media and climbing culture. And the other side to it is, unfortunately, I think it seems to be like a denunciation of people who were pushing the limits too far. We, we celebrate those who push the limits and get away with it, but then somehow seek easy answers or condemning we have condemning thoughts perhaps about those who weren't safe enough or they should have been placing more gear. They should have been doing this or that. But, um, right around the corner, Alex and Tommy are doing the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The exact same thing. And I mean, it is confusing because there, there's a few details in the accident, um, that haven't come out yet. Right. And as someone, I, you know, I've never played that, that hardcore speed climbing game, but, it's something that it's, you know, ever since I've been climbing, it's something that you do in the mountains on occasion. And and in most climbers that climb, especially alpine climbing, do some version of this moving at the same time, simul climbing. And, you know, rock climbing, you can do it as well. And I've used it a number of times, but on, you know, super easy ground. But, you know, but there's still ways in which you can move together on a rope. And if the the worst thing that can happen happens, there's, you know, there's safety involved still. And, yeah. and it's really like how far you get kind of out of that box. And it sounds like it's possible these guys were, had no gear between them. Um, it's possible that the gear ripped and then the rope broke. It's po- But if there was gear and then the rope broke, it seems like the guys that followed and had the horrible coincidence of witnessing witnessing this mm-hmm. um would have found the gear in place and maybe, maybe that's going to come out but um like jordan cannon was a, was one of the climbers that saw it happen and then and jeremy showborn yeah and, and then they showborn. uh they brought the third guy to the to the top and wrapped right. with him um and it, and it was it sounds you know, like they were simul climbing on pitch nine or ten which is like five five seven ish or right. something and these guys were not just right. some dudes these right. were total badasses like complete i mean what was on, the statistics on, you yes said? um jason wells had the speed record on the naked edge 24 minutes um Jesus Christ. you know the 24 minutes All tim right. and jason had climbed the nose in the salathe in 22 hours together right um this would have so been Tim two roots yeah tim's 107th in a day ascent of el cap he was like a teacher of the year in high school for the high school he taught at and he already participated in a fundraiser in 2014 um, to help a student by climbing for over nine hours in a gym ascending over the height of Everest which is a Guinness record so I mean it's a random statistic but it just speaks to both of their vast experience I'd never heard of either of them before or met them but just a, a great example of two guys who undercover brothers just oh, out totally. there crushing I mean, it and... when you, all those that information came out i was just like you know as a guy who pays attention to climbing right that's what i do i was just like what where did these guys come from and how how is it that they were out there doing all this stuff without you know being famous or at mm-hmm. least getting like recognition but i mean is, isn't that something we admire in people though too that are just getting it done without any sort of fanfare you know yeah 
the thing that bothered me was that, you know, with that same week, Outside Magazine came out with the, you know, like their typical question of has speed climbing gotten too deadly was the title of their article. Anytime, I guess, something bad happens, we Mm -hmm. have this like, I don't know what it is, like a desire to just contextualize it in a way that makes sense to us without admitting some of the hard truths about what we do. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to admit that what that we do the exact same behavior that we find. We, we want to distance ourselves from the behavior that led to an unfortunate circumstance mm-hmm. while celebrating the exact same behavior that led to a success, either right. in our lives or the, the celebrities that we put on magazine covers and, you know, call the next best climber in the world or whatever it is. And I don't know how to delineate those two things, but to me, they seem like the exact same thing and that it's, it's, uh, I think that's a negative part of our climbing culture is that like desire need to just try to say is free soloing too deadly. You know, are we going to inspire free solos to kill themselves by featuring Alex Honnold on the cover? Yeah, you know, right. that's, that's the same. Common, it's like, like a attack, common right. like attack on free soloing. It's the the idea is I don't want to see people free soloing because it's too deadly, based on based on just you know fears, right? And I like you said I don't we don't know the full details of why these two guys died, but basically they died because they didn't have enough gear in. They were mm-hmm. trying to move fast, and you know they slipped or got hit by a rock or who knows what it was, but something probably relatively common happened right whether you know a foot slip or whatever it was and they just happened to pay the ultimate price for it that's true yeah and and you know again like i i think i asked you in some conversation we had in that you know if there was there was some sort of lesson to be learned in this and and your comment was not really because they were so far outside of the box in terms of what most of us do when we go rock climbing and going back to my confusion not really confusion, but I just, when I heard what happened, I was like, wow, you know, something went terribly wrong and they were doing something before I even knew what was going on. I was like, they're doing something, you know, outside of that format of climb, follow, climb, follow, because you know, the, the anchors on there aren't going to pull. They're mostly bolted. It was a really strange circumstance. So I knew they were way outside the box in terms of what most of us do when we go rock climbing. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's interesting because experience matters in this story Mm -hmm. right if it's if you're just a beginner climber and you go out and you try to climb chocolate corner without placing cams you know (laughs) and almost deck that's your fault because that's an ignorant decision and Mm -hmm. it's a preventable disease you know it's like you can have the humility to understand that you're still a beginner you need to learn how how to climb safely and appropriately Mm -hmm. and you can follow the steps to get yourself to that position where you can lead a route without putting yourself into a a situation where you might die. But when you're an experienced climber, yeah, then the question you are making conscious decisions, conscious informed decisions about when to run it out in order. I mean, this was like five, seven terrain, mm-hmm. like they're clearly capable of soloing that, but they slipped. Right. Yeah. That, or whatever that, it was. Yeah. Whatever yeah. it was. Um, and, you know, and it's, it's a strange thing to talk about, you know, again, these, these guys were, were alive and had families and had lives and had, you know, everything. And I, it really, when we, when we start analyzing it, 
you know, it's certainly not out of disrespect. And there is a, you know, there is sort of a dark side of it to where people are like, well, they fucked up or they did this or they didn't do the right thing and almost accusatory, right? But at the same time, the analysis of something like this, if you can do it in a respectful way, is part of the community and how we figure things out. And it really makes me think about avalanches. Um, knowing personally, knowing uh, the avalanche forecaster in our valley, who who ri- literally writes up reports and has to has had to do that about deaths, and heard from families and and gotten negative feedback from families because, you know, if you if you analyze something and you realize that a person skipped, you know, a basic protocol, then you have to point that out, and it's it's you know it's obviously it can really be seen as an attack on that person's credibility their intelligence their you know and and you and i have you know it's like our friend hayden kennedy um he was killed not in a ski accident but but it was precipitated by this accident and though it was so personal to us i believe it was doug chabot you know he went up there and and as dispassionately as he could he analyzed and reported on why enga died why enga perkins died and the mistakes that they made and Mm -hmm. it came out to 99% 99% of the community as this report on two people. And to us, it was this report on our dear friends. And mm-hmm. so, you know, and, and obviously this situation is the same where yeah. you're trying to figure out what went wrong. And it's not even like what went wrong. So I don't do it wrong, but it's like a global knowledge of how did this happen? And, and, you know, it's cliche to say what we can, we learn from it and almost inaccurate, but, I mean, we have a natural curiosity as rock climbers to understand what broke down in the system, whether or not it would it's going to save us in the future or not. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's the judgmentalness of the discourse that certainly that, yeah. that I think bugs me, or just the hypocrisy of seeing one thing that happens to work out in someone's favor mm-hmm. is like something to be lauded without critique, and then something that doesn't work out to be criticized also without like critique of that analysis, you know? So I think just that self-awareness is important and just because it's, it's the humility of it that I think is important to embrace, Mm -hmm. which is that this could happen to anyone. Yeah. And yeah, just to speak to that point about how these situations can be informative. I mean, there's that classic story of Lynn Hill, not tying her knot that I feel like is taught in every belay course you know, around the country. And it's like one of the first things you hear, or it's one of the first things I heard when I was climbing was always check your knot. Lynn Hill right. once didn't tie her knot and she was the best climber in the world. I know, and-, and I've actually like, I've made the joke that I'm like, poor Lynn Hill. <laughs> she just gets like the example of a lifetime of like stupidity, you know? Um, but I mean, you can, with Lynn, you can joke about it cause she's still alive. Right. You and know? I'm sure she's in some ways happy to be that role because it's such an, impo- an important right, lesson. Right. You know, I like, I think about that still to this totally, day. It's yeah. like, yeah, check my knot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, well, and they, they, you know, it's like nobody is going to pile on Alex and Tommy because, you know, they're like our favorite and greatest representatives of our sport. Mm-hmm. Um, by all accounts, you know, just great guys and, and, and doing everything for all the right reasons. But certainly I've had moments where I've criticized the idea in itself of a timed speed record on any route, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's, there's this rhetoric around climbing that I I hear a lot 
you know, this like you're doing it for yourself and your own reasons and your intrinsic reasons and blah, blah, blah. And that completely contradicts it mm. to, to, to bring a stopwatch to the crag because you know someone else and someone maybe you don't even know did it faster than you. Like, you know, it, it, there's, there's, well, I, yeah, I, no, think, I mean, just yeah. think about it. Like these guys, Tommy and Alex have the record by like, you know, 20 minutes at this point, And they're mm-hmm. trying to break the two hour boundary because, because of why just because of some arbitrary thing that it would be more impressive to be three minutes faster than their last time. Yeah, I know. Cause and they, if they, they, had, they went back, right. They went yeah, back if, after I, breaking if, the record to get it under two. Yeah. And if, you know, Alex had fallen and broken his back or something or died or whatever it was, then it would have been like, damn, that was not worth that. Right. You know, that those three minutes that we were trying to beat, yeah. It just wasn't worth it. Well, and it's interesting too, because here we are a month later or a little more talking about it. And I almost was like, are we even talking about this anymore? Are we the last guys in media <laughs> to be talking about this issue? Because, you know, this we're stuff, thoughtful. We've, yeah, we've right. been thinking about this. Deeper. We have. And yeah. honestly, yeah. and that's hopefully like where we're going, but it, it does. I mean, it feels like, well, we're on the next thing. You know, it's like you broke the record. Great. Good job. You'll right. be a, a footnote in some history book. Right. You know, and then you stop and you go, my God, those two, those two men died two days before. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be dismissive of that. And I want to contemplate that. And I want to think about that. The other thing is kind of like media candy. You know, they, they broke the two hour record. What does that mean to me? Nothing. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to me that these two men who were friends with friends of mine died, that's meaningful, Mm. you know, and I want to contemplate that further. I I think both things are meaningful because it's the, that is our sport. It's like the, the amazing things that humans can accomplish on the rock. And then the shadow of death and risk that follows around every single shining accomplishment that Mm -hmm. we have. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just happened to be captured within, you know, like an, an eerie five day window right. on El Cap this spring. Right. So I think it's important to call that out and just really think about what that represents. Mm-hmm. So what's your last word on, on the, that question of, of risk in speed climbing. And I guess the, the outside magazines question of, is it too risky? I think that we just need to be careful with how, we choose to celebrate risky sports and how we choose to report on uh, when those risks come, you know, come knocking at your door. Right. Yeah. And, and, and there's, there's again, like in attempt to fit this all into a blog post or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it's like speed climbing has gotten lumped in as one big giant thing. And uh, Jim Herson, who's a, a you know, old time Valley local, or at least, you know, Northern California local, and also has climbed El Cap hundreds of times, I'm I'm guessing, and has climbed it with his kids. And, you know, he pointed out that, yeah, there's, there's speed climbing like those, you know, like Tommy and Alex were doing, and then there's nose in a day. And, you know, he's brought his kids up the nose in a day. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're not the same thing. Yeah. And they're, you know, when you get down to those, like trying to do it o- over a f- couple hours, totally, you're just cutting all these corners that a 12 or 15 hour ascent of someone who's experienced is not. Right, know? right. 
you know, that there's no point at which those people are that far run out or, or all those. Sorts yeah. Of things, so. And that, that is unfortunate that that all of that gets lost in mainstream media reporting on climbing and mm-hmm. all adventure sports is there's no understanding of skill level that comes into play when choosing, you know, so, something that could be risky, but it doesn't have to be dangerous because right. your skill, your skills are so far above what the objective is. And so for Alex Honnold to free solo free rider, maybe it's risky, but not that dangerous. Whereas if I were to free solo free rider, <laughs> Octoon exactly. <laughs> holds our slippery when Bisharat climbs. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I just hope that as again, as, is everyone who who celebrates and, and thinks about that speed record. Um, just leave a, leave a moment in your mind uh, again to think about, you know, Jason Wells and Tim Klein and uh, what their lives meant. And, and you can contemplate and have both feelings in your, in your head at the same time, sadness for them and, and joy for, for Tommy and Alex. Yeah. Respect to those guys too. All of them. If you have a comment, topic suggestion, or just a good bit of climbing trivia, join us at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash runoutpodcast, or drop us a line at our webpage, runoutpodcast.com.